executives where they discussed hard work and doing our best to make people's lives just a little bit better. They also discussed tequila. Uh, Today, Johnson posted a photo of himself in front of a jet, thanking the executives for being part of his Terramana tequila tour. So uh, he was uh, doing that. Johnson's uh, tequila may be hitting Arkansas shelves in March. According to the Post, Bentonville, Arkansas, I'll see you down the road, the Post says. So anyway, The Rock was here in Bentonville today. And evidently, he's uh, putting out his own his own brand of tequila. Just so the you Rock? Tequila is the big drink now. Yeah, you've got, uh, got everybody's putting out their tequila. Saw Ryan Reynolds has got his own gin. Oh, does he? Yeah, there's all these, I'm telling you. It's like, apparently that's the thing. You remember uh, Entourage? Yes, absolutely. That <laughs> was great. Like, it was like, yeah, it was very prophetic, right? Now all these celebrities are putting out their own brand of liquor. Well, it so. was tequila in uh, yeah. Entourage. Uh, I think it was like Avion, right? Yeah. And now it's actually an actual brand. Yes. I mean, I'm big, big fans of uh, of Entourage. And I, I wouldn't, yes, I went and saw the movie as well. And um, I thought the movie was pretty funny. I never saw the movie, but I binge watched that thing uh and then kept up with it until the final season but yeah well the, in the in the in the uh movie is where turtle fell in love with ronda rousey <laughs> that's hilarious yeah it was really good and he he got into the ring with her and she destroyed him <laughs> i mean just destroyed him it was hilarious very very funny uh, my my favorite person on in that show was uh was the brother oh yeah 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 you know he was uh, really what good. What was his name? See, I thought the two. I forget what he, what the what was the brother's name. Did you watch Entourage? You did. I'm, I'm talking to to Zach. I I know yeah. the listeners are saying, oh, well, I didn't watch it exactly. <laughs> the funniest thing about that show is if you look at the first season, the two characters that grew the most and actually kind of became the scar- stars of it at the end were Turtle and Ari, right? Because yeah. Ari didn't have much. Of oh, Ari at all was first great. Man. Oh, it was so good. It was so funny as as. Things went along with him, and he got his own deal oh, and yeah. started his own business. And him and his wife were always at each other's throats. Man, it was crazy. It's a hilarious show. Yeah, it was really, it was really good. Uh, what was what was the uh, the big actor's name? The, I know the, the guy, guy who played that was, it. I can't remember. They're bringing his... all the the money in for him. I mean, yeah. everybody, all everybody else was just like hanger honors, you know. Yeah. So Adrian Grenier was the is the guy who played. I can't remember his character's name though. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. he was he was one, and now he's doing like Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah, and he's so. not well. He was not really all that good of an actor. Well, to, and he really was honest. Again, as that show kind of progressed, he sort of became secondary. Yeah, sort of a subplot. 
Yeah, I'm looking here. I'm I'm looking this up oh, real quick for I you. I love this. I never know when I'm going to come, fan. Dave, what we're going to talk about. I'm very excited about this yeah. topic. Kevin Connolly, nothing ever happened with yeah. him. He never went on. So you had Eric. Yeah. You had Vincent. Yep. There you you had drama. The... Drama. That's Johnny what I was drama. Saying, yeah, Johnny yeah, Johnny, Johnny Kevin drama. Dillon, then Turtle, and then Ari. Those were the main ones. Oh, of course, you had Lloyd, too. Can't forget Lloyd. He was the guy who worked for Ari. Little, oh, that's the, right. The yep. Asian yep. Oh, guy. yes, yes. He, he, and he, he was, was hysterical. And then you had Mrs. Ari, Shauna, Sloan, who yep. was... Uh, I'm looking Eric, at the cast you know, right now, yeah. He was, she was in it as well a lot. Uh, the only, only other one was, who was the, uh, the it was that porn star was in it for a while. I can't think of her name now. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to find it. I'm looking for her name. Yeah, doesn't matter. Oh, Sasha Gray. Ah, she played uh, Sasha Gray. She played. Sasha yeah, she Kimio. was. She was Vincent Squeeze. Remember that? About I guess about season three, she kind of came into the the whole thing. It was it was a good show though. I was really sad to see it go when it went. I loved that that car that they drove, and and it was just a funny show. Really, it really was. It was very funny. And it was, I mean, like I said, pretty prophetic as far as Hollywood goes. You remember he, yeah. he played, uh, it, the big movie was uh, Aquaman. Yeah, he remember? was Aquaman. He was Aquaman before yeah. all the big yeah. Avenger he, movies. And, yeah. And, uh, and then the uh, tequila deal with Turtle. I'm telling you, it was just sort of like a roadmap for. Didn't he start a restaurant too? I think so. Yeah. He had a lot of ventures. Yeah, it yeah. was it was funny. It was it was a good show. It really was. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to watch. But Turtle became one of my favorite. But Drama was my favorite character. Remember the cartoon? Yes. Oh, he yeah. was always looking for the big break. Yeah. That's what he wanted. He wanted the big break. I need a break. All I he need is a break. He was sort of the Costanza of Entourage, where he would always implode. Like he would be so self destructive every single time something was coming his way. Yeah. But it was great. It was one of my favorite. Yeah. He would do something stupid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. really stupid. And the other thing that I liked about that show is when they were on the balcony and hit golf balls. Yes. Out in the Beverly Hills. Which, I mean, it's like <laughs> something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. It's got to make that happen. I so just know that list. there's people who do that. Oh, 100%. Because it's always like the brainchild of Mark Wahlberg. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, all these stories are stories that he did with Yeah, because his they opened and, a yeah. burger place. Yeah. That's what they opened, just Wahlburger. like the Wahlburgers. You know, it was funny. Yeah. They, they should have just done... The show as the Wahlberg. Oh, yeah. It would have been good. Although, probably, they didn't want to own up to some of the crazy stuff that they did. Oh, I guarantee. Well, I, I want to know how much of the stories and, and, and uh, plot lines and stuff throughout that whole series was actually what, like, something that happened. Mark and his brother were what, what? New Kids on the Block? Yeah. yeah. Donnie. Yeah. Who's yeah. now like him with the Blue Bloods? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's doing became, pretty good. He's he pretty became good. a better actor. Yeah. Than almost Mark did. Mark is pretty good. He, if he stays with his type of movie. Yeah. Then he's. he's That's right. Yeah. Sort of like Ben Affleck. I've never seen a bad Ben Affleck movie that takes place in Boston. In Boston. Yeah. <laughs> the Town, uh, Company Men, of the course, Goodwill Hunting, The Accountant, all of it. It all takes place in Boston. I will say that's the only movie. Affleck movie I've really watched that I really, really liked, and that was The Accountant. Have you seen... I didn't like Jiggly. I didn't... Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you see uh, <laughs> Did you see The Town? Yes. That was great. Yeah. I thought that was a really good one. See, it was a that was weird based, at the end, but Based still. on 
his life experiences. Yeah. Goodwill hunting was the same way. The shootout at Fenway. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so you know what? I the, the movie that I thought was the best that ended up at Fenway Park, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think that you know, don't you think that Poppy? Yeah, Papa would have got involved with that. He told Godzilla, yeah. "You cannot stomp on this place." I got to tell you, the only game I've been to Fenway, uh, Big Poppy hit a walk off homer. Oh, really? Yeah. Which one? Not I mean, like, going to do it. Yeah, I mean, it was like mid season. Really didn't mean anything, but man, it was great to be there. It's like in June. Knocked it out of the park. Extra oh, innings. It was great. It's really the only great ballpark I have yet to sit down and watch a ball game in. It's, it's really I want to walk out to the 10 wall. I want to put, yeah. I want to put my, because you can put your hand on it. Yeah. I want to walk out and put my hand on yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a party. And like I said, this was like a, you know, uh, mid season game, late June, Yawkey ways before the all star break. I yeah. mean, it was just it, like that town, it just, Boston shuts down when it's when it's game day, and it cr- cracks me up because we were there for our anniversary trip. It was our first anniversary, and I remember thinking it was in the middle of the week, and the stadium was See, packed. This is and why you. Like, Where this is people? why you, you know? and I get along. Yeah. On my honeymoon, I took my wife to see a Rangers game. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll do one better. It was actually my wife's idea. She is a diehard. Red Sox. Oh, is she? Yeah. So she got, we had. Is she from that area? No, she just always just grew up liking Boston. That's really wild. She's a Celtics fan and, um, and Red Sox fan, not a Patriots fan, but you know, she's got the Celtics. Good for that. Yeah. Zach, look at me. He's shaking his head. But you're not going to like, she's a Giants fan. He's a huge. Well, I can put up with, (laughs) I can put up with the Giants now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Or I, you know, I don't have any problem with the Giants. I like, Bum Gardner, although he's now a Diamondback. Yeah. So there's a lot of weird things going on in baseball right now. Yeah. I'm hearing that the Cubs. Well, Giants are, football. Oh, Giants yeah, yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. She's a New Yorker, huh? Yeah. She, yeah. Likes, she likes the Celtics and the Red Sox in Boston, and she likes the Giants in football. Now I got to say this. She loves Eli Manning. My so. my little brother in fraternity was Whitey. You know him as Phil Sims. Really? Yeah. He was, he was my little brother. I was going to chalk really? back Morehead State University, wow. bro. That is right. You know, Zach, every time I come here, he has another, like, relationship. <laughs> I've never, I was like, you knew, okay, well. We're going to have go. to start I shouldn't play, be surprised We anymore. should start playing Six Degrees of Ellswick. That's, <laughs> we could be here a while, I think. Phil Sims, yeah. wow. Now, you, now, I know him as Whitey. That's what they called him. Because his hair was so blonde, it looked white. And I and this was during in in college ball when they actually continued to let him play intramurals even, and he was a oh, quarterback wow. for yeah. our, our fraternity what? team. I was a, a receiver, and I'd have little crosses all over my chest by the end of the football. He threw <laughs> so that how, ball so it, it, hard. Yeah, I guess that makes total sense. They don't let them play intramurals anymore. You got Phil Sims as your intramural quarterback, and they don't want him to get hurt. Yeah, yeah. well, they don't want him to get hurt. But I mean, come on, you know, and it was like, pretty uh, cool. It's like we were that, lucky if we got like that like a high commercial you see you know, where he's ours. playing. He's the running back for that yep. team. Forty nine to nothing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> great. That's a great commercial. I loved it. that guy's just hanging on to. I got his flag. <laughs> his flag is so funny. All right, Jr. is here. We're going to come back. We're going to talk politics. There's a lot to talk about politics, like the the uh, War Powers Act that Pelosi's pushing today. She is such a bimbo. 
More coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. Okay, so here's my trivia question of the day. See if you can answer it. I just answered it correctly. Which of the following children did not live with Mr. Drummond on the TV show Different Strokes? Was it Arnold? Was it Willis? Was it Webster? Or was it Kimberly? Who I'll say did, Kimberly. Who, yeah, Kimberly. Who did not live with Mr. Drummond? Do you know who? which one didn't live with Mr. Drummond? Who was it, Zach? Arnold, Willis, Webster, or Kimberly? Which one didn't live with Mr. Drummond on different strokes? Well, he's talking on the phone. Oh, okay. I thought he was up there yeah. trying to think aloud. Yeah. Uh, I guess, I mean. No, I'll answer. Uh, it's yeah. Webster. Really? I wouldn't have guessed that one. Remember, no, Webster was with Alex Karras. Oh, I guess I just always. Remember that show? The football player? It was, it wasn't, wasn't Webster with Alex Karras and Susan Clark, weren't they the ones that were in Webster, the little black boy? I think they were adopting, if I'm not mistaken. You got more details than I do. But Arnold Willis and Kimberly were all in different strokes. Kimberly went on to have a terrible demise. She got hooked on drugs and terrible. died in a car. I think she like died of carbon monoxide poisoning or something. It was really sad. But anyway... That's your trivia question for today. Like Somebody's asking me, are, are you going to the movies tonight, Dave? Yes, I am. I'm going to go see that new movie that everybody's talking about, 1917. It's about World War One. It's based on a true story. And when you say based on a true story, loosely probably based on a true story. But I'm, we'll be talking, I'll be talking about that tomorrow during the show when we talk about movies on here. All right, I want to play this. Instead of getting into talking about the War Powers Act first, let's talk about Pelosi and impeachment again. She's still withholding articles of impeachment. And she uh, yesterday had a press conference and she said, this is why we're doing it. Cut number one. Now, in terms of impeachment, you will keep asking me the same question. I keep giving you the same answer. As I said right from the start, we need to see the the arena in which we are sending no, you our managers. Is that too much to ask? In October, we put forth H.R. 660, which is past resolution, which talked about the terms under which we would proceed further uh, to further proceed with the investigation so that people knew uh, what the uh, uh, battlefield would look like. We expect to see that here. I've heard different things. I hear that they might want to, you probably heard one way or another, some of them have suggested they might want to dismiss. Dismiss equals cover-up. Dismiss equals admission that your fate of the facts, the truth, the witnesses, and the documentation. We would have hoped that, like, as with the Clinton process, that there would have been a bipartisan resolution determining how to proceed. Contrary uh, to what the majority leader says, he says this is like the Clinton. No, it's not at all. And I sent our members yesterday six points in which it is, six of the points in which it is different. But nonetheless, at some point, we would hope that we would see from them what the terms of engagement will be. 
We are ready. We are proud of our defense of the Constitution of the United States. We are concerned that the senators will not be able to live up to the oath that they must take to have an impartial trial. So much for that. That that woman would stand in front of cameras and basically say that the impeachment in the House was impartial. It is just, it's really beyond, definitely just beyond the pale. We'll talk more about it when we come back. We got to get the news first, and then we'll talk about Nancy Pelosi. Hey, coming up in the next half hour, uh, Robert Spencer is going to be with us. Uh, he's the one who has the website called Jihad Watch. You may have gone there before. Uh, he's written many books dealing with uh, Islam and and Jihad will talk to him about Suleimani and some other things in the next half hour of the Dave Ellswick show. Right now, though, I want to come back and I want to talk about Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi, what she's trying to do is trying to tell the Senate, Jr., how they have to run their part of the Congress. And it's not going over real well. Yeah, yeah. And that's not going well with some of the Democratic senators either. No, they came out. Feinstein came out yesterday and said, enough of this. It needs to stop. Now, when Feinstein starts saying that as hardcore of a Democrat as she is, Pelosi better start paying attention. From the same neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's, it's really, really interesting. McConnell had an answer for because. You know, what Pelosi says she's trying to do is basically leverage uh, the Senate into, you know, allowing make, to make the the trial go for a long time. That's kind of what Pelosi's trying to do. Although I think that the, the Democrats that are running for president, running for the nomination, would like to see it be a very short trial because if you're in the Senate, you got to go. You got to be there. Warren said yesterday. She says, well, I'll be there because it is my responsibility. But here's what McConnell said to Pelosi yesterday. This was uh, cut number seven. Now, Mr. President, I do need to say a few words about the other serious matter occupying the Congress. Late last year, Speaker Pelosi and House Democrats sped through a slapdash impeachment of President Trump in 12 weeks because they insisted the need to undo the 26th election was urgent. Urgent, they said. Since then, the same people have spent three weeks dragging their heels and refusing to proceed to a Senate trial. Supposedly, the explanation for this shameless game playing is that Speaker Pelosi wanted leverage, leverage, to reach into the Senate and dictate our trial proceedings to us. Now, I've made clear from the beginning that no such leverage exists. It's non-existent. And yesterday, we made it clear it will never exist. A majority of the Senate has decided that the first phase of an impeachment trial should track closely with the unanimous bipartisan precedent that all 100 senators supported for the first phase of the Clinton trial back in 1999. There will be no haggling with the House over Senate procedure. We will not cede our authority 
to try this impeachment, the House Democrats' turn is over. The Senate has made its decision. The 1999 precedent does not guarantee witnesses or foreclose witnesses. Let me say that again. It neither guarantees witnesses nor forecloses witnesses. It leaves those determinations until later in the trial where they belong. I fully expect the parties will raise questions of witnesses at the appropriate time. And I would remind my friends on the other side, I strongly suspect that not all the potential witnesses would be people the Democrats are eager to hear from. So the Senate will address all these questions at the appropriate time. And that is for the Senate and the Senate only to decide, period. That's right. By the Constitution, it's in the Senate's court now. And Pelosi needs to back off. The, you know, because it's her party that wants to defend the Constitution, right? Right. right. That's what she says, yep. Jr. All right. So I got a story here. Let me just go. Let's see. Let's start with the Senate, the Democratic senators that are telling Pelosi it's time to get the articles over to the Senate. And they are. Let's see. Senator John Tester, Democrat of Montana. Uh, Senator Joe Manchin, West Virginia. Senator Angus King of Maine. He's the independent. Uh, Senator Doug Jones, Democrat of Alabama, who's in an uphill battle, mm-hmm. you know, to get reelected. Senator Chris Coons is all over it, too. Uh, trying to see. There was uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, ranking men- men- uh, member on the Senate Judiciary Committee. And uh, that's about where I'll stop right now. But uh, there's about five others. And there's been some... Cracks uh, in the Democratic caucus in the House as well. There have been some, I believe it was the chairman of the Armed Services Committee, Smith, uh, who said that they need to be sent over now and then yeah, quickly walked it back. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he got a call from the Speaker's office. Cut four. Just hit cut four. Is it time, Chairman? I think it is. I mean, I understand what the Speaker is trying to do, um, basically trying to use the leverage of that to work with Democratic and Republican senators to try to get a reasonable trial, a trial that would actually you know, show evidence, bring out witnesses. But at the end of the day, just like we, we control it in the House, Mitch McConnell controls it in the Senate. Um, I, don't, I think it was perfectly um, advisable for the Speaker to try to leverage that, to get a better deal. At this point, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And yes, I, I think it is time to send um, the impeachment to the Senate and let Mitch McConnell be responsible uh, for the fairness of the trial. He ultimately is. Just like there you go. the fairness of the impeachment lies on the desk of, you know, Congresswoman Pelosi. Yep. Yeah. Although she'll throw it over on shift if uh, it goes south. I'll guarantee it. Sure. And I think the strategy here, we talked about this a little bit during the break, that I'm just curious as to what that is right now. Because you mentioned you've got some, I mean, this is running straight into the Democratic uh, primaries with Iowa caucus on the 3rd, New like, Hampshire on yeah, the 8th. It's only about uh, three weeks, three yeah. and a half weeks away. So the longer this stalls, the the you know more it runs into the primary there for the Democrats. And, you know, quite frankly, yes, Trump will be talked about a lot in the primary. He has been. He will continue to be. Yeah. But I don't think this course. is what they want to be talking about no. in the primary heading to the general. And I also think that there's a growing uh, exhaustion uh, with 
you know, really the general electorate, even among Democrats uh, that are just like, look, let's just move. Let's do this. You know, we know everyone knows what the outcome is going to be in the Senate. We do. We knew that the outcome was going to be in the House before it ever took place. So I think people are just like, let's just let's move on. It's happened. And, uh, you know, let's get to the uh, the business of the people. And I think that's been a strong message from Republican senators and some of the Democratic senators who stood up and said, look, we've got a lot to do. Uh, let's let's move on. Let's I want to see done. how many Democrats in the Senate vote not vote innocent. Well, I can tell you that old Doug Jones is probably going to be one of them. <laughs> I, I mean, might be a <laughs> might good. be a thing to do. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. It would be the thing to do. But that's interesting. Has it surprised you that so many Democrats have been so negative about President Trump killing Soleimani. Uh, it has. It has been. I think that was, I actually tweeted something out uh, shortly after it. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm very, I was very surprised. I'm not surprised by a lot, but, you know, this was uh, an individual, and I know they argue the fact that he was the second command of a sovereign nation, yada, 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 but this man was responsible the for pres- killing President hundreds. Obama declared him a terrorist yeah you're exactly right and so i think you know look for those who like trump dislike trump uh you know, the fact of the matter is uh, he made a decision that george w bush and president obama both had a chance to make decided mm-hmm. not to make it because why it was going to escalate things and the only thing we've seen come out of iran was um the fireworks, yeah, display. the fireworks display that they go and tell their their people that there were 80 casualties. There mm-hmm. were no American casualties. And that was that was the response. So, and look, I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, president George W. Bush, first president that I voted for, uh, you know, when I uh, uh, turned 18 years old. And the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, he thought the same thing that President Obama thought and everybody around those two administrations said, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, I think the president... Called the bluff. Yeah, here's the key. This is the stuff that would happen, that Iran would uh, react and they'd get their proxies to do this or that. That only happens if they feel like you won't do anything back. With this president, they go, that ain't going to happen. He's going to strike back, and he's going to strike back hard, and it just makes sense that we don't go there. Yeah. And the the one of the more interesting things too is when you read the the backstory of you know how the president arrived at this decision that his advisors his military advisors you know even the secretary of state I mean they bring them these they bring him these options mm-hmm. with several options including taking out Soleimani and they were you know they they put it in there because they just knew he would you know no president would ever choose that one right that's right. The, that's the absolute and when he did it said, you know, the jaws were on the floor and they were like, uh, you know, are you sure? And I just think, again, I, yeah, sure, it's something that in some ways, uh, you know, I don't want to say unprecedented, but I think that the way that you've had some of these previous administrations, both Republican and Democrat, view this as, you know, if we act, there will be an escalation because we're afraid that Iran's going to respond. You know, we're the United States of America. You know, if, if there's a response needed from us, to show our strength, there needs to be a response. And I think this was an appropriate response. Uh, and there is no one you can, again, you can argue the sovereignty, 
the fact that he was not a quote unquote you know leader of Al Qaeda or, or an ISIS leader, he is but a, he is he responsible is a legal for killing combatant. hundreds of American military service members. Which means he's legal to be killed. That's just the bottom line of it. This is that's how it works. In fact, Senator Tom Cotton talked about this, and here's what he had to say. Cut number five. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton. Senator, let's get your reaction to, A, the president's handling of it. Now the ball's in the Iranians' court. What we need to be prepared for. Good evening, Sean. As I've said for years, if Iran wanted to start a fight, the United States would finish a fight. That's exactly what President Trump has done over these last couple weeks. His red line was the same going back to last summer. Do not harm an American. And when Iranian proxies wounded our soldiers and killed one of their interpreters, he struck back in a measured way against that proxy force. And then Qasem Soleimani and their proxies tried to attack our embassy in Baghdad. And Qasem Soleimani learned the hard way that President Trump means what he says. Do you agree, Senator, that this is not the, the, the day and place of boots on the ground going, sending our national treasure door to door is over? And that when you take off the handcuffs, rules of engagement, and you unleash our military forces as powerful as they are, that that is the way to stop any country like Iran? Sean, the president has said uh, repeatedly in the last two weeks, as I've said for years, no one seeks a war with Iran. But if Iran wants to start a fight, then we would end a fight. And that extends to every single American who might be in harm's way in the Middle East or around the world. It also extends to the president's promise earlier today that Iran will never be allowed to get a nuclear weapon. As you said earlier, just imagine if those 16 missiles that Iran had fired last night had been tipped not with 1,000-pound bombs, but with nuclear warheads. There you go. That's our Senator Tom Cotton talking to Sean Hannity last night. He's right on. He's right on. I said after the president put out the the hit on uh, Soleimani uh, when I came on that day, I said, I can tell you one senator who's smiling big, Tom Cotton. Yeah. Because he's mentioned Soleimani. Soleimani is the man who took IEDs and made them uh, super lethal. Exactly. Which is why he's responsible for killing hundreds of American soldiers. And, you know, I also think, I I agree with everything that Senator uh, Cotton had to say there. There's a lot of talk, too, and I've read these articles, and, you know, whether it's Politico or New York Times or Washington Post, and even here locally that say, you know, what happened to what President uh, Trump has always said that we want to pull back from matters of uh, of of war elsewhere or engagement and those types of things. There's a very big difference in responding to someone who's provoking. That's right. And standing up for the country and showing your strength as a country. Uh, and, and it's different from, you know. Uh, uh, sort of being the police nation in some of these other countries. They're two totally different things. And so I think when people try to throw that back in the president's face, we as Americans deserve to have a leader who's going to say, you will not mess with an American citizen, period. There will be ramifications. There will be consequences. And I think truly it was an embarrassing uh, response from Iran, especially when the dust settles and everyone realizes what actually happened. Yep. Uh, and I think it shows everybody that the decision was spot on from the president, and it send, sent a message to the rest of the world that we will respond if provoked. 
And again, I think that's exactly what we need to be able to do as a country. And Iran did not want anything screwing up in that response. So it was the Khomeini who ordered it. Right. It was the Iranians who did it, not their proxies, because it had been their proxies. Right. An American might have gotten gotten hurt and may have gotten killed. And if that had happened, uh, we'd probably be talking differently right now. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And and I also think that, I mean, there's President Trump is, I mean, some of his advisors and they've said through, um, you know, different spokespeople there at the White House that, you know, there has been a series of events where the president has been talked into lesser response and that he felt like at this point, you know, we're we're looking like we're a weak nation. You know, yeah. that we're not going to respond and that I, I don't believe at all that Iran expected us to respond like that. And I think it scared them. I really do. And I think the show that they gave, the fireworks display, as you called it, was nothing more than that. And and it showed every other, you know, I'm, I'm you can't see me maybe on Facebook. My air quotes here, these yeah. these foreign experts, right? And these these uh, uh, Middle Eastern experts that say that there's going to be a huge escalation. We're going to war when this happened and you saw the response and that's it. Uh, I mean, that speaks volumes to uh, the decision by the president and, and what it means to the rest of the world. If you provoke the United States and and, uh, and hurt an American citizen. All right, final break for this hour. We'll come back at a couple more minutes with J.R. Davis, who is with us today in this first hour of the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer, the home of Rush Limbaugh. It's a lot easier here. All right, back for the final uh, couple of minutes here with uh, J.R. Davis. Locally, let me just get your take on this. The governor has taken a couple of, I think, unpopular positions here lately the the refugee uh decision that he made i don't believe is a popular decision also this thing about uh, hate crimes legislation i don't believe and we we talked about this when you were working for the governor is a popular decision uh what say you well i mean i think the governor's always been very consistent uh with this um he released a letter explaining where he was on it um he came on the show i mean yes right that's right you had him on the one-year approval and the security checks uh have been enhanced and if you remember back and i believe this was this might have been 2016 uh when the governor came out and said you know we're not 2015. Not, it was 2015. We're not accepting any refugees here in the state. Obviously, it wasn't necessarily our call. It's but a, that was Syrian refugees. That was Syrian it, it refugees. It is different. It is time. different. Well, that's what I wanted to get to. So that was talking about Syrian refugees. But at the time, though, the same issue was the security uh, checks. And, and, how, and a lot of this information was bouncing back because they didn't have any data uh, to go off of. That's not the case anymore. These security checks have been enhanced. Um, and you know, look at the end of the day, we are a uh, we're a melting pot. We're we're a nation of refugees. You know, that's you know, or, or a nation of of uh, 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 you know where you know every background and, and ethnicity and, and religion has come to America for that American dream. And you know, refugees are it's it's these are people that are escaping you know horrors at home. And, and trying to find somewhere safe for their families. And so, again, if it can be done, um, you know, there's there's a one-year approval. The security checks have been enhanced. Um, then, you know, look, 
we're I think the governor's spot on saying, look, we're 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 willing to take some of these folks uh, in who are trying to escape these atrocities abroad. And but we're going to do it in the right way. We're going to monitor and we're going to have these security enhancements that are going to protect our people. And that's always been his you know, first and foremost priority is the is the safety of Arkansans, and he felt that with this uh, new enhancement, that you know we're uh, uh, we're going to be protected, we're going to be safe, and we're going to have the information that we need in order to keep our people safe. This is going to be an interesting year because there's several uh, battles uh, out there for state senate and state uh, house that are going to be decided in March. Right. And it's going to be real interesting. Yep. A lot of people need fast. to remember that, that uh, the SEC um, uh, primary is coming up yep. early this year because it is a presidential election year. Now, next year, it'll be May again. It's it's kind of, I wish they would have made it one or the other right. and just kept it that way every year because it can be confusing. Right. But uh, if you're out there, make sure that you understand that uh, – you may be making the decision of who's going to be your state senator or state rep or even judges and stuff in March. You want to keep that in mind. That's right. March 3rd. Yeah, we'll pick that up and we'll talk more about it here in the near future. We'll get you back on. I just wanted to get you in here, get you get your sea legs again after being off for so long. Yeah, well, and I'll say this to you for those that, uh, yeah, exactly. I have been away for a while, but those who uh, haven't read the governor's letter, uh, you can find that on his website. I would urge you to do so. He really outlines where he's coming from and why this is uh, a good thing for the state of Arkansas and, and that the safety of Arkansans is top priority, and this secures that. All right, J.R. Davis, thanks for coming in. Thanks, coming Dave. up, Robert Spencer from uh, the Jihad Watch folks. You won't want to miss what he has to tell you, and it's coming up next here on the home of uh, Rush Limbaugh. 101.1 FM, The Answer. special guest this half hour and he's been with us uh, several times on my show it's always a pleasure to have him here i'm sure he'll have some interesting things to say about what's going on in iran right now and about the proxies and everything going on over there uh, in the middle east and of course that's robert spencer who joins us today on the dave ellswick show robert thanks for giving us the time Great to be here, Dave. Thank you. It's always a pleasure uh, to have you on the show. So the the president takes out Soleimani. Uh, the the left is screaming that it was uh, an assassination. 
the right says, well, it was under the auspices of the law. The guy was, uh, you know, a terrorist. The guy also was a a military uh, general, so he's fair game. Uh, and uh, we took a bad guy out. I mean, I had uh, one of my uh, my guests on, uh, Do- uh, Colonel uh, Conrad Reynolds, and I'm replaying that interview in my 5 o'clock hour today, who talked about it was Soleimani who, you know, up the IEDs over in the Iraq war and and maimed and killed hundreds of American soldiers. So why is everybody crying over this guy? Well, they're crying because Donald Trump did it. If Barack Obama had taken him out, then he would be being hailed as a courageous and uh, great strategic leader. Uh, as in reality, Soleimani was more dangerous than Osama bin Laden, who Obama did take out. He was the leader of the Quds Force in Iran, which was overseeing jihad terror activity around the world. The activities of Hezbollah, which is a subsidiary of Iran, of Hamas and Islamic Jihad, which are funded by Iran, and of other jihad groups around the world that the Iranians also were funding. This guy was also directly responsible for the deaths of over 600 American troops in Iraq. And so there's no doubt that it was perfectly justified. But because Trump did it, it's all wrong. Okay, so we can we can move on from that question, then. It's all politics is what you're saying. No doubt about that, yeah. Okay, so, Robert, what what does it say about, and we talked about this yesterday after Iran responded to our killing of, uh, you know, this, this terrorist, and uh, they fired off uh, ballistic missiles, and uh, they missed everything, supposedly, basically, uh, that they were looking at that would have caused any kind of real damage. And it was uh, Rouhani that uh, personally fired those missiles and not the proxies of of the uh, Iranian government. Uh, why don't you break that down for some? You, you have been following uh, jihadists for years, and uh, Iran is the biggest— baddest country behind terrorism in the world. What does it say about them that they they did such a lackluster job on their response? Well, in the first place, it shows that they are not as uh, great militarily as they would like the world to think. Uh, We have seen this again and again with armies from the uh, Islamic world, that their bark is worse than their bite, their bluster is worse than the reality. Remember Saddam Hussein's spokesman saying we're destroying the American forces as they're marching around behind him yes. in the camera's range. Baghdad Bob, kind of man. Thing. I remember Baghdad yeah. Bob. Yeah, exactly. And this is much the same as that. But also, it also is the fear that the Iranian mullahs have for Trump. They probably wanted not to kill any Americans in this case because they warned the Iraqis, and they knew the Iraqis were going to sell the Americans. And so nobody was in harm's way. And the idea is that they needed to save face, but they didn't want to get into a larger conflict, and they knew that they weren't dealing with Barack Obama anymore and that they'd be risking a larger conflict if any Americans were actually killed. Mm-hmm. So tell tell us a little bit about the proxies. What's this mean for the proxies? Uh, I I am uh, to understand from people we've talked to that that about one and a half billion dollars that Obama sent over to uh, 
Iran uh, has been just about used up, and a lot of that was going out to the proxies, Hamas, Hezbollah, and so maybe some of the money is drying up for some of these groups. Is that what you're hearing? Yes, there's no doubt about that whatsoever, Dave. I was talking recently to a Lebanese gentleman whose brother is a mayor of a town there, and his brother was telling him that he had just met with the local Hezbollah leader, and the Hezbollah leader was complaining that he hadn't been paid in months and that his men hadn't been paid in months either. Now, uh, that's an extraordinarily good sign, and it shows that the sanctions are working and that the Obama money has indeed largely been spent. Mm. And that's to see, this is good stuff. So what you're telling me is that uh, the stranglehold the president is putting on Iran uh, economically is truly having uh, the desired effect. KT McCarland the other day on television said that inflation was at 70% in Iran now. So you tell me, who do the mullahs fear most, Trump or their own people? Well, you know, it's a combination of both because the two can't really be separated. The sanctions the people know are hurting them, but they don't blame Trump. This is what the Democrats warned, but it has not come true. They blame the mullahs because they know that the Islamic Republic has spent money they could have spent on their own people on the jihad terror groups. And so as the sanctions continue to create an economic pinch in Iran – the people are increasingly upset with the regime, and that, is, of course, works all in Trump's favor. Have you heard that the unemployment rate in Iran is like 40 percent for people that are under 40 years old? That's incredible. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, they're, they're in desperate straits, and that's all to the good because it could mean nothing less than the end of this vicious regime. Well, we saw some, you know, some real— uh, uh, protests over there a few weeks ago, but they killed like 1,500 people. Uh, it's it's pretty bad when the other side's got all the guns and you don't have much as far as firepower uh, goes. What should we be watching? I mean, that would tell us maybe we're coming to the tipping point against the mullahs. Yeah, I think that's coming. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the end of this regime uh, within a year may not happen, but it uh, very well could because the w- discontent is so widespread. And yes, they are hamstrung right now in uh, being able to get resources. But I don't think that the, administ- the, the regime in killing so many people is going to deter them. They know that uh, th- this is an inhuman and vile government, and uh, there are many, many Iranians who are increasingly determined to see it gone. All right. So what else is happening? I mean, I, I can spend I could spend my whole half hour talking to Iran about you. I don't want to do that because you keep your hand and your finger on the pulse of what's happening as far as jihadist terrorism all over the world. Is it is it percolating in other parts of the world right now or has uh, what has happened to Iran now uh, taken a little bit out of their vigor away? Yeah, certainly. The thing is that Obama emboldened terrorists around the world. And his policies of appeasement and surrender toward Iran in sending them the billions and in concluding the nuclear deal made the uh, only encouraged the jihadis around the world to think America's weak. America's not going to fight back. If we push them, they will not push back. They'll give us what we want. 
Osama bin Laden himself said that years ago, that when he saw Bill Clinton withdraw American troops from Somalia after the Black Hawk incident, he knew that the Americans were weak and it was time to step up the jihad. It's the same thing with Obama. But Trump is sending such a different signal, and it's making a difference worldwide. Yeah, and he um, he sends very strong signals when uh, when he sends one. I mean, I think Iran was totally caught flat-footed uh, with the uh, the killing of that terrorist. Yeah, absolutely. They did not expect that. They were used to the Americans talking tough and doing nothing, or even worse, reaching out to them and giving them something if they did something like this. You recall that Obama here again, when the sailors were captured by Iran a few years back and humiliated before the world, made to kneel with their hands behind their backs and the, the blindfolded and all that, the, this direct humiliation of American, sold, American sailors got nothing from Obama but money for the Iranian nuclear deal and the nuclear deal itself. And so the Iranians had no reason to think that it was going to be any different in, in Trump's case. They knew that he had a tougher rhetoric than Obama and that he was not fond of the nuclear deal. But I don't think they had any idea that he was going to respond as strongly as he did when the embassy in Baghdad was stormed under the uh, at the instigation of Iranian forces. All right. We're going to come back with Robert Spencer. Don't forget about his new book, The History of Jihad. From Muhammad to ISIS, I have it. I've read parts of it. I haven't read it all yet, but the parts that I've written or I've uh, read are very, very good. He'll give you a really good overview of this and tell you about things that you need to know. This has been going on for a long, long time. Robert Spencer, our guest, a break, and then we'll come back with more on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer, the home of Rush Limbaugh. All right, back with you. Robert Spencer is our guest. Uh, this just from Fox News. General Jack Keane says today, Iran's credibility in the Middle East has diminished as a result of its feeble response to President Trump's full throttle approach. Keane said that Iran's feeble response Tuesday night striking an Iraqi air base, which hosted U.S. troops, was more for propaganda reasons within the country the strikes caused no casualties, and U.S. officials said they had advanced warning. He also said he believes Iran's leaders realized that Trump would authorize a full-throttle response if they had undertaken a more significant retaliation. And, and Robert, I had Colonel Conrad Reynolds, who's a local uh, uh, colonel here uh, in uh, the Little Rock area, who I've known for years. He's been in intelligence and he said that Iran, Iran, Iran wants to make sure that uh, they get to the end game on their nuclear weapon, and they don't want to do anything that's going to make the United States strike at them with full force. Would you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. They are hoping they're they're playing a game against time because they know that the regime could be toppled, and they won't have a chance to perfect their nuclear weapon. They know that if they strike at the United States too hard, then they could be toppled by Trump and not have a chance to get to their nuclear weapon. So they're, they're, they're engaged in a game of chess. You know, they want to uh, show the world that they're standing tough against the Americans, but not too strong 
as to make it impossible for them to fulfill their larger goal. Yeah, and that led us to a interesting discussion on Monday, and I'd like to have this discussion with you just for a few moments. And and that is this: they have said that uh, you know the uh, the deal that the Iranians and all these countries came to an agreement with is going to run out here very shortly. And then we know that they're going to be, some people have said, within 10 months. Others have said a little over a year from getting a nuke. Now, I think everybody understands that's just not in the cards for Iran. That That's going to be have to be stopped. So some big decisions are going to have to be made at that time. Uh, what do you see here in the next year or two? Uh, as we deal with this regime over in Iran? Well, the president said just yesterday that there is no chance that they could get a nuclear weapon. So I think that he's prepared. He's telling them and telling the world that they are, uh, that the United States is going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they do not get a nuclear weapon. Now, I don't think that that's going to take the form of an invasion of Iran, nor should it, nor need it. Uh, We have seen over the years many of the Iranian nuclear scientists involved in mysterious accidents and cyber disruptions of nuclear sites in Iran and so on. And that can do the job uh, just actually more efficiently than a ground invasion. And I think that the president was saying that there's going to be much more of that as needed. Okay. So things have been kind of quiet lately. Yeah. We did have a story pop up in Australia with some jihadists that were starting forest fires over there. Um, Is that the kind of stuff we can expect right now? Is it going to be kind of small potato stuff, or do you get worried when it gets this quiet? Well, you know, they never really stop. At jihadwatch.org, I track jihad activity in the United States and around the world. And there are foiled plots all the time. People don't realize that there are plots in America, and especially in Europe, there is a steady stream of people who uh, stab police officers, run at passer, random passers-by with knives while screaming, Lahu Akbar. This kind of thing has become commonplace in Europe, and it's going to be here if we don't take steps to make sure it doesn't happen. But yeah, it is quiet, but it's not empty. It's not. Uh, the, it's certainly not the case that they've stopped, and there's uh, always a steady drumbeat of this kind of thing going on. Anything that you worry significantly about, or is the the way that the president is doing his foreign policy has somewhat disrailed and taken the wind out of these people's sails? Yeah, I was much more pessimistic in 2015 and 16 than I am now. The president has completely changed the game and made it very clear to jihadis worldwide, including Iran, but not limited to them, that this kind of behavior will not be tolerated. And that's all to the good. Uh, At the same time, there are such forces arrayed against him, and we see the Democrats going increasingly insane, and the Democratic leadership willing to praise the Islamic Republic of Iran, one of the most repressive regimes in the world, in order to get at Trump. That's not a good sign, and I certainly hope that uh, we don't see somebody who holds to that point of view being elected president in 2020 or 2024. That could mean nothing less than the end of the United States. 
Yeah, 2020, I don't worry about. 2024, I get a little nervous about, although I do think we have a pretty deep bench in the conservative uh, world uh, and not such a deep bench over on the left. I mean, I let's figure, uh, you know, AOC still got a few years to go before she can even run. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of what's her name, Omar. Uh, I, I think people realize how crazy she is for what what she is. Uh, the History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS. New book by Robert Spencer. You can pick it up uh, online, which I did from my Kindle. It's on my Kindle. and uh, Or you can get a hard copy of it as well. Go to his website as well. Give him the address, Robert. It's jihadwatch, J-I-H-A-D, watch.org. All right. We appreciate you, Robert. Thanks so much for joining us today. We look forward to having you back up in the near future. Always a pleasure, Dave. Thank you. Talk to you later. All right. Robert Spencer here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got news coming up here just at the bottom of the hour, and uh, we'll bring you up on the latest of that. Uh, I'm trying to see here. I had a piece of audio I wanted to play uh, with Senator Graham. Uh, and he was talking about the imminent threats that Soleimani had issued. Here is what Senator Graham said after uh, yesterday's uh, briefing. Should the administration have given more information about the attack to Congress yesterday? A lot of Democrats came out. They weren't very happy. The vice president this morning said it was too sensitive to share with all of Congress. Uh, So uh, uh, in terms of where there's an imminent threat, General Milley was compelling and chilling about what was going to happen and what had happened. So I think a third grader could have believed that there was an imminent threat coming from the man that we killed because the man we killed was a walking threat. He had dedicated his life to killing Americans and he was up to no good again. Now, uh, the idea of the power of the president. We have troops in Iraq lawfully stationed as part of the ISIS fight. The power of the president, any president, any time, is inherent to defend those in the field. And you can respond defensively. You can preempt attacks that are being planned against people, against our troops, once they're lawfully deployed. Compelling, compelling and chilling isn't the same as specific, though. Does the administration not have a duty to disclose some of what they know specifically when they come to Congress? The way we found this out, we'll never tell anybody because it was magical and we're not going to compromise it. Now, it, it amazes me. I mean, I, I will give my government enough credit. Being in the military, you who have served, you know as well as I do, you don't tell everybody everything you know. You cannot do that. It's not smart to telegraph to the enemy, and that's what you would be doing, what you know. We'll talk more about it after the news, which is coming up right now. You know, things happen daily that uh, make your day either good or, or bad, you know, and I, I had a bad thing going on. I, I was going to lunch today after a church, after church, after <laughs> after the hospital. Might as well be church. I'm there every day as it is. But anyway, I went over to uh, Cracker Barrel to have lunch today, and I went to pay the bill, and I reached back to grab my wallet, and it was not there. So uh, luckily... 
Uh, Linda was there, pulled out her debit card and, and made the payment and uh, paid for eating there uh, today and uh, couldn't find it. Well, she's at home right now. She's got a, she's, she's my chauffeur right now. She went home to do some things. She'll come back and get me. Uh, but uh, because I, I'm wearing this freaking half shoe, I'll take a picture of it and I send it to Elizabeth so she can post what it looks like. Basically it's a shoe that I wear right now that keeps me from walking on the ball of my foot where that wound is that they're healing up. And, uh, they put, uh, they put stem cells in it on Monday, so they don't want me walking on it. So they put me in a shoe that keeps me from walking on it. And it's very uncomfortable, but, uh, bottom line goes, uh, I had lost, totally lost my, um, uh, my, you know, my, my card, uh, my, my debit card and everything else that I had. So I decided what I would do, uh, is that I would just lock up my, my uh, debit card. Uh, I got a region's debit card and a lot of you have this, the same thing too, where you, you push a button and nobody can, you even can't charge on your card. You can do I mean, you can do it on all the transactions or just on in-store transactions or online transactions or at the ATM or whatever. I cut it off, all right? Nobody. Well, it had fallen. My wallet had fallen out of my pants, got lodged in the the bed frame in the corner, and I don't know how uh, Linda found it, but she did. She just let me know. So now I'm a happy camper. I got back my uh, uh, all of my important cards that I'm in everything that I use to run my life basically is either on my phone or in my wallet on some kind of card. So it was really good that, uh, that she found that. So now I take a big deep breath and I feel, I feel really good about that now. Don't feel bad at all, uh, dealing with that. So that's good. So the house is looking now, uh, to uh, have a vote on the War Powers Act and trying to embarrass the president. And uh, I don't think it's going to work all that well. And not all of the Democrats are playing with this. A Democratic congressman from New York uh, by the name of Congressman Max Rose made a statement today uh, when they, while he gave his speech vowing to vote against the war powers resolution. Rose said that President Trump was justified in ordering the drone strike that killed Iranian General Soleimani and others as they traveled from Baghdad's international airport last Friday and argued that the resolution being debated today simply restates existing law and sends the message that war is imminent. Guess what? We're further from war now than we were even before we took out Soleimani. To be honest with you, uh, he said, I know all too well the real costs of war, and sending troops into harm's way is the most consequential decision I could make. Rose served in the Army during the conflict in Afghanistan. Quote, unfortunately, today's war powers resolution is a non binding 
all right, it's a non-binding resolution that simply restates existing law and sends a message that war is imminent. He added, I refuse to play politics with questions of war and peace and therefore will not support this resolution. The Democrat-controlled House moved today toward approving this non-binding measure aimed at limiting Trump's ability to take military action against Iran. Notice that it's a non-binding resolution. It does nothing. Literally, it does nothing. And uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said the resolution, which doesn't require Trump's signature, nonetheless has real teeth because it is a statement of the Congress of the United States. You know what my daddy used to tell me? I don't know about you, but my dad used to say this. uh, Let me hold on. Russ, stay right where you're at. Did your dad ever use the old term, words are cheap? More times than I care to count. Okay. How about how about you, Zach? Did you does your dad ever told you that words are cheap? Not that particular phrase. Okay, but kind of the same thing. Well, that's exactly what I would tell the Pelosi right now about a non-binding resolution. Words are cheap. If it doesn't do anything, why are you wasting your time on it? Says I will not have. Says Pelosi, and not have that statement be diminished by whether the president will veto it or not. Despite Rose's opposition and solid disapproval for Republicans, the measure measure seems that it's certain to pass. A similar proposal by Senator Tim Kaine is facing an uphill fight in the Senate. Kaine's efforts received a boost Thursday as Republican Senator Todd Young of Indiana, an ex-Marine, said he might support the war powers measure. Might. Two other Republican senators had said Wednesday they would back the Kane plan. We are members of a separate and distinct branch of government. It is our duty not to take anyone's word for things as we are dealing with matters of life and death, unquote, Young said, adding that he wished Trump's administration officials had provided more intelligence information during the briefing on Wednesday on the U.S.-led drone strike that killed Soleimani. Young. You know better than this. You know better than this. You know that everything that they came in to share with you were things that they had to make sure you heard and would not. And if and if it did leak, it wouldn't damage our uh, intelligence community because they know, I know, you know how leak, how leaks are are just commonplace from the House and for the Senate. I mean, look, even Biden himself as vice president, remember, he's the one who outed uh, sealed team six, told not to mention him, and was out in the Rose Garden talking, and boom, sealed team six comes right off of his lips. Kind of interesting, just months later, helicopter mishap killed a lot of those guys that took bin laden out so that's just something to keep in mind some things are secret because they got to be kept secret i mean we heard that just a moment ago from graham look let me play this again cut number two here's senator lindsey graham should the administration have 
given more information about the attack to Congress yesterday. A lot of Democrats came out. They weren't very happy. The vice president this morning said it was too sensitive to share with all of Congress. Uh, so uh, uh, in terms of where there's an imminent threat, General Milley was compelling and chilling about what was going to happen and what had happened. So I think a third grader could have believed that there was an imminent threat coming from the man that we killed because the man we killed was a walking threat. He had dedicated his life to killing Americans and he was up to no good again. Now, uh, the idea of the power of the president. We have troops in Iraq lawfully stationed as part of the ISIS fight. The power of the president, any president, any time, is inherent to defend those in the field. And you can respond defensively. You can preempt attacks that are being planned against people, against our troops, once they're lawfully deployed. Senator, compelling, said, compelling and chilling isn't the same as specific, though. Does the administration not have a duty to disclose some of what they know specifically when they come to Congress? The way we found this out, we'll never tell anybody because it was magical and we're not going to compromise it. There you go. We're not going to compromise it. We're not going to take the chance that somebody is going to, you know, maybe there's a, a name or something or an organization. And uh, that's where they got their information. And the last thing you want to do is mention names or organizations and you put a bullseye on them. So I have no problem that, uh, you know, they keep certain things really, really close to the vest. All right. A break. Final break this hour. Coming up in the next hour, 15 people now are dead from uh, the flu. I saw a ranking of the states in the United States. We are ranked fourth for the flu. Number one's Texas. We're fourth. But a lot of the states that are ranked high are in the south. Let's find out from uh, Dr. Terry Yamauchi why that is. Is there a reason why flu runs rampant in the south? We'll find all that up in the next hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. Dr. Terry Yamauchi already came in the studio, so I'll get him a part of the show here. Move up there. Move up there up on that microphone. I'm going to the movies tonight. Now, I didn't say I was going to talk about the issue that we were going to talk about. I got other things to talk to him about as well. Are you ready for this? I don't know. I'm going to movies tonight. What do you think I'm going to see? Uh... You've been seeing it advertised on TV all over the place. 1917. Oh. I'm going to see that World War One movie tonight. Looks good. Looks interesting. Now, yeah. do I believe all the hype? You know, the greatest war movie ever made and all that? No, I think yeah. Saving Private Ryan will always be my that's greatest a, movie ever there. made. Well, this one, of course, you find out whether he saved his brother in 16,000. 16, no, it's just 1,600. 1,600, okay, 1,600. Yeah, yeah. Other men, yeah, that's going to be a, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting. It's a true story. Of course, when they say true story, they always use that famous word based which means they might have just used the names <clears throat> of the guys okay right everything else right. with it is all fictionalized you just never know but the you know i'm i'm really looking forward to I'm, the world war 1 is a, a war that people kind of ignored in the movie business there's not that many movies out there uh howard hughes did one about uh, the uh, the the pilots and the biplanes in World War One, I. I forget what what that was called now, but uh, he did one, uh, All Quiet 
on the Western Front was one. You know, there, there's really not been a lot done uh, about trench warfare and all of that. And it was, I'm just telling you, there was so many changes going on in warfare at that time. It was brutal, brutal. You know, they were using gas. They were, you know, they used chlorine gas. They used all kinds of mustard gas. They had, it was the advent of the machine gun, basically. And trying to run across no man's land while somebody's opening up with machine guns, right. crisscrossing it. Right. Right. Airplanes were coming into vogue at that point. Tanks were coming into vogue at that time. Just really uh, an amazing time for uh, weaponry uh, in how to slaughter your favorite uh, human being on the other side. Uh, and they probably didn't have war uh, rules. No. <laughs> No, not uh, it, it was World War Two where you know the Geneva Convention came in. Well, to me, you know, I hear these you can't break the rules of war, and I thought, gee, I thought the rules of war was to just win. To, well, <laughs> and that's what we did in World War Two. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, you we know? firebombed whole cities into oblivion. You know, everybody <laughs> ta- wants to talk about the atom bomb, and I understand that was a big deal in Hiroshima and. In Nagasaki, uh, talk to the people of Dresden and some of the uh, cities there in in Germany, where they dropped so many incendiary devices right. that they had hundred and fifty mile per hour winds from the fires sucking the oxygen in to feed the flames. And yeah. I mean, melted mm-hmm. brick. That's how hot it was. Melted the brick. Unbelievable. This really is under unbelievable. So anyway, I was. Hey. Go ahead. No, that's all right. I just, well, the last time I was on, you were going to go to your first movie in I don't know how long yeah. that night. What did you go see? I'm trying to think. I that forget. was the first one you got to see. Yeah. When when was that? How long was ago was it? A month or so. Okay. Or... What did I What did I go see? Uh, Zach, is I I would have talked about it. Yeah, because I got what was it? It was the war movie. Um, oh, yeah. Midway. Midway. Yeah, that's what it was. Which yeah, was, was really another... good. Did you get to see it? Yeah. It yeah. was a great movie. That was a good movie. You know, the, the one of the sad parts of that film, and a lot of people probably may have not even understood exactly what they were talking about, but we sank all their aircraft carriers yeah. at that point. <clears throat> and there was this scene where a bomber pilot was returning, and he's looking where he's going to land, and there were no flat tops for him to land on. And I, I could, I re, I really responded to that. And that's a part of war you don't think about. Well, you talk about having suddenly a feeling of hopelessness in the cockpit of a plane that you have, you're, you're going in to drink and you're probably not going to get saved. Not a good thing. Have you seen the Irishman yet? I have not. I refuse to watch it. Robert De Niro's starring in it. And I just can't look at Robert De Niro the same way as I used to. Why is that? Because he's a nut job. Oh, well. I mean, the stuff he says about Trump, I mean, he's crazy. He's, he's going nuts. It was a good movie, though. Shut up. It's a good movie. Ricky, go talk to De Niro, but he'll probably punch you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jervis really went off the other day, man. That was great. Some great stuff that he did. And, you know, that yeah. was just, I loved that so much because it was just 
directed at the cancel culture. You know, I'm so tired of those people. So tired of them. I mean, really seriously, I'm tired of them. So anyway. Well, I don't talk politics. Yeah, I know you don't. Except. You can't. Yeah. Except when he and I go to dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? We don't talk politics because I don't want to talk politics typically because I talk about them all the time. We talk baseball. We talk baseball. That's right. That's right. And I'm really disgusted with the Cubs right now. They're not doing nothing. Same as the Cardinals. The, the win, during the winter <laughs> meetings right now. Well, yeah, but at least they can say, yeah, we won the division. You know, they can say that. Cubs can't say that. You know, they've wa- they're wasting <laughs> They are wasting their opportunity for a World Series. They really are wasting it. I think Ross is going to do good as as a coach, but they're not giving him any new starting pitchers, and they need some. They need a couple of them. They do. That's the biggest problem right now. And Lester's in – look, how old is he, 65? <laughs> I, I'm, if I was David Ross, I'd have a sit-down with him. I'd move him to the dugout. He's good for a couple of innings. He can throw really hard for a couple of innings, and he'd be good to, to put in. But he's not a starting pitcher anymore, I nope. don't believe. No, I don't think so either. You know, so anyway, it's. I won't go very further, although opening, uh, re, let's see, what the day they report is like uh, February 13th, I think, or something like that. Uh, second week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I feel like spring is just on its way, man. You want to get out your glove and start yeah, tapping maybe on I'll already tapping out. Hey, I already, oil it up. I've got the oil in it, got the baseball in it, got it tied up. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready when it starts again. I love baseball. Oh, I know I that. I love baseball. I know that. Hey, this is the first time you've been on since Rush joined us. That's pretty cool, huh? You mean Rush Limbaugh? Yes, yes. I was yeah. trying to find him Sunday. Yeah. You know, the summary of the week. and Yeah. Now you got to come over and listen to him with us. That's no problem. Well, that's easy. I just switched the station there. Yeah, I mean, I've this got is a, the way it's supposed push, to be. Push button. This is the way it was supposed to be for 10 years. It was Rush Limbaugh, Dave Ellswick. <laughs> and before that was Dave Ellswick, Rush Limbaugh. For 14 years, the two of us have been tied to the hip of each other. And what? we're back that way again. It's great. Well, what's Howard Stern going to do now? I don't know. <laughs> Next week. Morning show, Howard Stern. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. That, I'm just... That's not coming. Uh, Hugh Hewitt will be on in the mornings here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. We've got news coming up. It's The Answer. That's where you're at right now, the home of the Rush Limbaugh program.
last hour I mentioned to you that we've had 15 deaths because of uh, influenza. The state of Arkansas is ranked fourth in the nation uh, for um, uh, influenza right now. Type A is at about 52%, and the other type is about 48% is is what information that I got here recently. But the, the, the interesting thing I thought of the story that was sent to me or the facts that was sent to me is that when you looked at the top 10 states leading in influenza, almost all of them are in the south or the southwest. Is there a reason for that, Doc? Dr. Terry Yamauchi is here on the Dave Ellswick Show. When I want to talk about flu or or any kind of, you know, disease, uh, diseases and things of that nature, this is the man I bring on. Well, thanks. I'm sorry I can't answer your question. That's been asked to me many, many times. And, you know, you can make all kinds of thought processes and theories, but I don't know of any, anything proven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who knows? Uh, right. You know, it, it could be uh, nutrition. They could be uh, living closer together and having more of that type of contact. But I don't know, and I don't I don't think there's been any, any definitive studies that have told us why. Uh, I know in Arkansas we have really a good reporting system. So Yeah, maybe that's, that's the key. That's that. Well, that might be. But, you know, I, rather than say that yet— I, uh, I, I would hope that we, we would be there because we're we do have a good system with the, our health department and reporting, uh, and you get the information faster than I do because uh, I was still on thirteen deaths, and you got this morning's statistics of fifteen. So there were no uh, <clears throat> in the deaths that that were reported that took us to fifteen. There were none that were children. Right. So far, there's only been one or two real children, but uh, we've had more older people, and it's a type B influenza this year that's causing problems with the older people. Mm-hmm. And it's still the risk factors are there, you know, the uh, other other diseases, chronic diseases like diabetes, heart disease, um, immune complex, uh, deficiency diseases. Well, when they put me in the hospital when I got MRSA, and I'm sitting there and they walked in, nurse. First thing she said to me after they got me checked in was, have you had your flu shot? And I said, well, I'm set up for one tomorrow. She says, oh, well, we'll take care of it right now. <laughs> and they gave me a flu shot at that moment. So, And I'm glad. I'm, I'm happy. I knew that I needed to get it. I just had been busy and hadn't got around to getting it. Yep, yep. Well, again, we've talked about this in previous years Uh you know, sometimes it's not a good match. Sometimes it's not quite as good as we would like it to be. But uh, usually it will give you some protection or make you less infectious, uh, less make the symptoms less, and uh, certainly make you less likely to transmit the disease and or less likely to have severe disease or die, yeah. which is the bottom line. I like all that. I like the not uh, not dying thing. <laughs> I kind of go along with that one as being the most important part of this. Uh, This year has been kind of interesting for me because on my Facebook, I bet I've been hit four or five times with, I'm a nurse. 
And I can tell you that you can get the flu from the flu shot. Have you been, have you seen these? Oh, I've seen them all the time. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Knowledgeable people that think, you know, they should know. And, you know, I said, well, I I don't know how you get it, but that's, that's not And they got all these scientific terms and stuff, which, you know, I don't know what they're, you know, if what they're saying is true or not. <laughs> I just know what you say. You know, and what you've Ooh, told, yeah, what you've told no, me. No wonder you're. You know, and it, well, it seems like to me that if you're get, being given something that is dead, uh, it's not going to give you something. Now you can get some symptoms like fever from having a foreign protein or getting something. That's your that's body dead. fighting off infection. That's exactly right. But the 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 material that causes the disease doesn't replicate it's not multiplying so you can't get any more than that little bit that they give you in the vaccine Mm -hmm. and so it just doesn't make good sense to say that i get the flu from this right right so anyway i get my flu shot every year it just so happened i've been i was late this year typically i get it in september yeah as soon as they got it ready to go i get it because I know that I've gotten the flu before and have been as sick as a dog. And, you know, you're a healthy person normally. Yeah. You're a big strapping fella. Yeah. You know, and um, this can just wipe you out. Um, So this year's been a little strange, though. You know, we've had the flu a little bit earlier. We've had cases. It seems to be that we're getting a few more numbers than we've had in the past. Having 15 deaths is a few more than we've had previous years at this time. Uh, this And because we're getting more influenza type B, that's a bit unusual, too, early on in the course of the disease. Uh, what, what this may mean is that as influenza A, which is the more common strain, Mm-hmm. As it becomes more prevalent, we may see more cases of flu. So the flu epidemic or the flu outbreak may certainly not have peaked or we may see more increased numbers as we get later into the new year. Yeah, I was going to say we haven't seen any schools closing Correct. or anything like that. Correct. We have not had those kind of outbreaks. However, seems like it's going to be kind of a nasty flu season this time around. It may be. It may be. It's too early to the normal course of flu increases over the course of the flu year. So we haven't come to that peak yet. And we may see a peak as the influenza A becomes more prevalent. And it's prevalent during the year, the months that it is here is because it drives people indoors where they get around other people and they they end up catching it. From other folks. Yeah, and there's just a couple other things. They, you know, they're inside of the heated air, and so the, the mucus in their nose dries up, and they get cracks up in their nose, and that makes it easier, theoretically, for viruses to attack. So, uh, you know, I have been trying to do something this year. You've told me every year, and and I've tried, and I've gotten better at it. I keep my hands away from my mouth, my nose, and my eyes. And I think that goes a long way to keep you from getting sick. Absolutely. I, then I wash my hands a lot. That's the other thing. You should wash your hands a lot. Sneeze into your elbow or shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
stay away from six people. Some of those things are so, you know, it just makes sense to me. And yet people want to go out and hug people. And, you know, I guess humans would like to. It's just humans being humans. Humans being humans. Yeah, right. You know, I, I've been a little bit more uh, standoffish this year because I had MRSA. And I was on antibiotics for six weeks. And so I'm figuring maybe my my immune system is down some. So I've been staying away from people. Somebody sneezes, I go to the other side of the room. I get away from them. Yeah. Huh? It's that simple. I, I move away from them. I, and it seems, don't take it personal. And it makes sense, too, doesn't it? Yeah, it does to me. It, well, when you think about it, you know, people don't think like that. That's one of the things I do. By the way, uh, you know, I've had lots and lots of requests to, to speak to lunch groups and things like that, and right. I just haven't been able to do all of them. I've done quite a few, but uh, if you've been <laughs> lucky or disappointed, I don't know which <laughs> you one. You haven't been you, around this time? You, no, just keep uh, keep trying, and I'll, I'll try to get to you if I can. I don't, you know. Don't. There's only one of him. That's just the way it works. I, I tell people that about myself. There's only one of me, and there's a whole lot more of you. Yeah, yeah. But um, I I think that we're potentially in for some problems yet. Okay. And uh, still time to get your flu shot. You get um, it now. It takes how long for it to, to get oh, the full? Oh, 10 days range? to two weeks before you bad. get full full strength, you know, effect of it. Some people are faster, some are slower. Yeah, I told uh, my wife she didn't get one yet, and I said, you're going to get one Saturday. I'm taking you over to, to Walmart, and they can stick you. Yep. You know, get it done. And some of the vaccines that, that are out there don't have both. Some of them have all four strains that are around, uh, two of A and two of B, influenza A and influenza B. And... Um, the one that the health department gave out in the mass clinics has had three, and you have to ask. I don't even know if they have any more with the four uh, forms of influenza. So is it the four, is it the four forms that the I hate to use this word elderly people are getting? <laughs> if they can, yes. Yeah, you're supposed yeah. to get the super strength version of the well, flu the one shot. that's got the four four strains of influenza: two A and two B, two. Two of the A strain and two of the B strain. Okay. Strains. Uh, and, um, of course, most people don't know there's even two. <laughs> they just right. get their flu shot. No, they need to get yeah. a flu shot. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, uh, they are very well suited to protect you or to prevent the illness from being real serious. Yeah, now, real tough. Yeah. And uh, as many people as possible should get it. And get it as soon as you can and, uh, you know, do the things you just said. Stay yeah. away from See, part people. of the solution, not part of the problem. Yeah, that's right. See, that should be the theme. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's herd mentality. More people that get the shot, the better off we'd be. Yeah. I'm, look, I, I'm a believer in vaccines. I mean, I remember when, when you said, for instance, I'm going to move away from flu, when you said measles, you, and people would say, what's measles? They didn't know what it was. Right. Now right. it's coming back again because people think that getting a, you know, a vaccination is going to cause autism in their kid. You know, I mean, 
And or, it's not true. <clears throat> or cause you to grow horns or cause yeah. you to, all kinds of things have come out that people say, you know, and you and I know that those things aren't true. Yeah. But they perpetuate, they get perpetuated by, quote, famous people. Yeah, the poster playboy. That tell us. And uh, that, that gives them cred, right? Yeah, I'm saying, you know, got a big rack. Yeah, what you say see. must be true. Yeah. And that's well, where it goes. You know, I hate to bring the politics in it, but we got these polit- politicians, great athletes, uh, you know, telling us that the so-and-so is good and so-and-so is bad. How, how, what makes them experts? Nothing. <laughs> and yet, Nothing. Anyway, that yeah. You probably know more than they do. Well, I'm sure I do about, you know, some of the things. Yeah. But, uh, and yet people believe it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they want it to, because so-and-so, you know, he plays so such and such a character and you know, we know that he got the Nobel Peace Prize. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's crazy. He got an Academy Award. That makes yeah, him an expert. That on makes him real diseases. smart, man. He's got a 12 inch man in her in his hand. All right, let's take a break. We got more coming your way. It's Dave Ellswick show, 101.1 FM, the answer home of the Rush Limbaugh program. All right, when I called Dr. Yamauchi and asked him to come on, I told him there was a story that I wanted to ask him about, and he says, oh, you want me to check with all of my my insiders? And I said, yes. Evidently, over in China, and China, as everybody knows, is not the most open society in the world. Things happen over there that are bad, and they don't tell the rest of the world so the rest of the world can prepare for maybe a, a disease or whatever. I mean, SARS kind of got started over in China, wasn't it? <clears throat> and bird flu, and uh, they uh, they didn't tell anybody about it, and they, they knew it was there. Well, there's evidently some kind of new form of pneumonia that has raised its little head there in China, and, and this is what scared me, uh, Dr. Yamauchi, it is in a part of China that is a hub for transportation, for plane transportation and for rail transportation. I forget how many millions of people went through this area. And uh, the CDC made the statement, they're trying to get information from the Chinese who are very hesitant to share any information, and this stuff is going out into the world. They're starting to see it pop up in some different places. Why are the Chinese so hesitant? Do you do you have any input on that? I mean, I understand back in the day they did, you know, communism was the end all, the be all, the end all, and you didn't want anything bad to be reported because you know they take it against the the communists. But that's not the case any longer, right? <clears throat> well, I, you know, I think it's embedded in their culture to be somewhat secretive, and I think that there's a concern that. You know, they, people might, other parts of the world might look upon them more backwardly if they have some new diseases that may not necessarily be new diseases. Uh, but th- they just are very reluctant to give out any. I just look secrets. at them, you got a lot of freaking people over there. That's why we, something might be popping up. Absolutely. Well, this particular illness, uh, one of the things that makes it bad is, is just that. They don't report it until... You know, it's been there a while, and yeah. so 
we're seeing more and more people infected and therefore they're farther down the line as far as the disease process. Yeah. The one thing that has been up until relatively recently is that it didn't it wasn't appearing to be person to person spread. It looked like it was some uh unknown reason, whether it was chemicals in the air or whether it was food they were eating or what it was. It didn't mm-hmm. look like it was an infectious agent. Now they think they have isolated a virus, uh, something co- in the family of the co- coronaviruses. Okay. And uh, they have actually recovered that virus from a small percentage of those people that have come down with the disease. So there's pretty good evidence that this is an infectious agent, but there's nobody saying that yet. They're suspecting it. Uh, uh, it hasn't fulfilled the scientific postulates of giving it to somebody and making them have disease with that agent. And they're saying it's pretty virulent. I mean, it's getting into people and it's it's killed some people. Right. And we haven't been able to track it well enough, or they haven't been able to track it well enough, at least they're not telling us, to tell us, well, it takes 10 days to get this and then another two days. And sometimes they have a rash and sometimes they get this or that. So, you know, the natural history of the disease is not well known yet, uh, but that that will be coming. And when it came out, when, when we started hearing about it, it sounded so much like an infection that, you know, people, infectious disease people say, well, it's got to be a, an agent that is infect, and causes infections, probably spread by respiratory secretions or on contact or something just like flu or SARS or some of these other agents. So... That is proving to be the point, though we haven't recovered it from a whole bunch of people yet. That, yeah, well, that's the key. I mean, when do you you got to wait for it to land on your shore? Almost. Well, almost, you know, um, and that's a problem with infectious diseases as a whole. But we're getting better now. We have more uh, rapid tests that we can run, so we can actually diagnose it earlier if we are looking for it. Uh, so. Uh, that should resolve itself in a while. We, it does look like, as you said, virulent. It does look like in some of those people uh, that, that it killed them. Yeah. And But, of course, we don't have enough information coming from China to tell us about these people. That's you right. Know, were they people with heart disease? Were they people that had you know, cystic fibrosis or diabetes or yeah, whatever, whatever, chronic the, diseases? Risk factors, yeah. What are the ages, this and that. Right. So, Dr. Terry Yamauchi is with me for the rest of this hour. Stick around. We'll be talking about a lot of different things. If you have a question, 8230965 is the number. 8230965. Uh, feel free to give him a call and uh, he'll answer as best as he can. We got news coming up now at the bottom of the hour. Give you 60 seconds. Try to catch you up with the world. 101.1 FM, the answer, home of Rush Limbaugh. All right, Dr. Terry Yamauchi is here on the on the show. He's with us until the top of the hour. You got a question about the flu, uh, infectious diseases? This is the man to talk to. Eight two three zero nine six five. The number here at the Dave Ellswick Show. Eight two three zero nine six five. And you can ask him any questions you want about uh, the flu. I I he'll be very pleasant to you. But if you call in and say your flu shot gave you the flu. I, I already know what the answer is, all right? I'll just say, no, it did not. Anyway, with with that in mind, what's the difference between 
influenza A and influenza B? Are they totally different, just totally different uh, um, uh, viruses? When you say totally different, they're in the family of influenza. Okay. And so there's influenza A, there's B, there's C, etc. Okay. So there's some subtle biochemical differences that 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 they exhibit, but uh, and some uh, uh, characteristics about the types of people or cells they infect. But for the large part, no, there's no no real difference. No real difference. No okay. Difference. But when they make the... And I say that now, the virologists out there are going to jump on me and say, oh, no. <laughs> There's a huge know, difference, Doc. Come on. metabolize this and they do this, you know. Right. But for practical purposes, it's an influenza For virus. a layman, well, they're for, basically the same. And women. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not selecting. <laughs> okay. Laypersons. All right. Right. You know, bottom line is it can be, it can be either or. It doesn't matter. It, I bet you you wouldn't know the difference if you get A or you get B. You're just going to be sick. Again, and that depends on who gets sick too, right? Right. I mean, if you're, you know, if I have heart disease or you're debilitated, you may get sicker and heck with either one of them. You know, so it's it's hard to differentiate that. That's why I don't. I often don't say, well, it's influenza A or B or it's para influenza this or that because. It doesn't really make much difference. So as far as the shot goes, yeah, you should shoot to get the one that gives you the four. Is that what you should be shooting if, for? If you can, uh, you know. Ask for it. If they have it. They, I, I, I do see it on those sideboards that are out in front of some pharmacies. And we have, you know, super flu or what they'll call them the quadra flu or so, well, you got to have a name for it so that people can identify. Well, I mean, yes, I understand for that. flu shots and they yeah as far as as that's concerned but your best defense i'm i'm kind of going over some stuff that i do every year with dr yamoshi the best defense can be soap and water that's right let's stay clean stay away from sick people <coughs> yeah that's what i try to do just stay away from the people who have it and then you don't have to worry about well, it. well in my classes i teach you know how do you keep getting a disease number one you put the person with the disease somewhere that you're not. Number two, you go away from people that have the infection. Number three, if you're exposed to the person, try as little as possible to be exposed. And then if you do, wash your hands. Man, I walk out of a room if I see somebody not covering their mouth when they sneeze. I, I, I don't know how long that virus stays alive and, you know, or, or how long that, uh, you know, the, those little goblets of water are floating around. How long did they float before they settle? And then when they settle, am I sitting somewhere where they've settled at? Yeah, right, right. My wife, when we, we get on an airplane, she takes out these little handy wipe things and wipes down the seat. Well, that makes sense. In front though. of her and and uh, the seat belt and the hands. And she'll, people sitting around her say, you want one of these? A lot of them take it. Yeah. Well, a great thing that they've done here in the last few years you know you go right. to kroger you go to walmart you go to grab one of those carts and they've got a uh, you know a, a piece of sanitary toilet or whatever that you can use i wish they had it out there right next to the carts when you grab them so you could grab that and put it in your hand before you grab the cart yeah well i wipe my cart down too i wipe my hands then i wipe the cart yeah absolutely yeah. and when i 
when I leave the store, I take one and wipe my steering wheel. That makes sense. That makes sense as well. There's a lot of things that you own that are, you know, petri dishes, like your cell phone, like uh, you know, a lot of things that you you handle, your computer, all those types of things should be wiping those off. I used to, I don't now because I got in trouble with the engineers, but I used to come in with Lysol and spray my microphones down. And then they told me, don't do that, Dave. That's not good for the electronics. And so I, I just don't get up as close to the mic as I well, you used can to. Take, you can take a cloth or a Kleenex or something, or one of those handy wipes and wipe it. Yeah, I may, that works I may better do than, that. than nothing at all. So uh, that's all right. You know, Zach, I tell you, used to be in the studios, there used to be Clorox wipes mm-hmm. all the time in here. Mm-hmm. And I'd come in and wipe the table down before we started the uh, the show, and then it was here so people could wipe their hands or whatever they wanted to do. Well, I mean, that, that's important stuff. To, I know it sounds like I'm, a, I'm one of those people that are creeped out by germs. Well, I kind of am. Well, that's... I don't want to get sick. To some degree, that's good. You know, I... I give a lecture on on common sense, you know, and I talk to people about the desk, their their desks at home or wherever they're working. Right, and they've done studies where they cultured the top of a desk, Ooh. and they find as many more germs on the top of a person's work desk than they do at, on the bathroom toilet seat. Yeah, on your on your cell phone for sure. There's more. There, when I, you think about it, the things you do at your desk and the things you do at the toilet, and you wouldn't think that it'd be possible that you'd have to wipe down your desk. You, you want know? to hear something weird that I do? Whenever I go in and use the restroom, I always put the... Now, most guys, if you're married, you always put the top down. I'm just saying, you, you put the top all the way down, the one that covers the seat, because when you flush that toilet, that stuff's splashing everywhere, man. That's right. That's exactly right. That's it's disgusting. And what's usually next to your toilet? The sink. And what's around there? You got a little cup, got toothbrush in there. Come on, man. You know, I get to go to these research meetings or these where they present these papers, and at one of them, a guy cultured toothbrushes, and it just so happened exactly like you said. The sink is right next to the toilet. Yeah. And he, he found things on that toothbrush, you know, and I I got up. And it was migrating, wasn't it? I, I got up at that meeting and I said, you know, I said, after I heard that talk, I went home and took a measuring stick and saw, measured how far it was from the toilet to my toothbrush. Right. Because he said 10 feet was where he measured Right. <laughs> and it makes sense. I'm just telling you. I mean, you don't. But th- you don't think about that. That's right. You don't think about it. And I'll, I'll tell you something other people think. You get the flu. You use your toothbrush. And then you keep your toothbrush after you've gotten rid of the flu. And you're reinfecting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I told you that. Throw it away. Get a new one. Probably one of my most popular talks I give. Is was caused uh, was the story about where I used the little clips out of different movies, yeah, to illustrate how infect it's called infectious disease in the movies. Haven't you ever watched War of the Worlds? I'm That's, just saying. I, and you know how at the end of the movie, 
I, uh, the people are standing on the hillside. The Martians are crashing. Yeah, down, yeah. And it, God's uh, you know, wise, ever wising. He's the smallest thing in his creation to defeat the aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And absolutely. By, by the way, I just read the original H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, and it's quite a bit different than the movie. Right. But and it's good. It's good. Bottom line, and even the remake that uh, Tom, you know, Cruise. Tom Cruise did, that's how they died. You yeah. know, they died the exact same way. Yeah, I like the original one better. Oh, than yeah, Tom I Cruise like the one with uh, Gene Barry in it yeah. much better. It's yeah. a great movie. Plus, I hear, hear brand new science fiction movies all the time now that they still use those sound effects from that movie where the, the death ray is shooting. Yeah, it's a heat, uh, heat ray in the original book. Yeah, uh, it burns everybody up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's quite good. Yeah, we got to take a break. We got to get our final break in. Dr. Terry Amuchi is here. Talk some more about infectious diseases. I want to talk to him about MRSA because evidently this has gotten to be crazy stuff. We'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Doc, I got a... Uh, an email for you. It says, why do most vaccines last your lifetime for the most part, but the flu vaccine only lasts for the specific flu season that I receive it? Thanks, Andrew. That's a really good question. Um, And if you think about it a little bit, it makes real good sense. One, number one, the uh, flu virus itself changes just a little bit from year to year. So it may not be exactly the same. So protection from the vaccine that was made against that virus uh, may not be as as effective. Okay. Also, the the vaccine itself, the flu vaccine itself, to date hasn't been the strongest vaccine. In other words, the the antibody that's created by the uh, vaccine uh, it becomes less effective. There's less of it over a period of time. In fact, you start getting small, smaller, just smaller increments of protection as time goes by. That's one of the reasons why we give it rather late before flu is here rather than like uh, five months, six months beforehand because we know it starts dropping off. Okay, so, so when when's the earliest really you should look at getting a flu shot? Well, like you said, and like we mentioned earlier, uh, we want you to have as much protection on board as when you come become inf- uh, uh, exposed to the virus that's in the community. Okay. So th- theoretically and historically, that's been in October, November, December. But flu really is in you know January, February is when we have our highest seasons usually. So you want it before that. But since we haven't, uh, if you haven't been vaccinated, you don't you don't have as much protection that might help you. So any time now is, is a good time. All right. So bottom line now, you uh, go out, you get your flu shot. If you're, so is our peak season, all right, uh, ground zero, January, February, kind of? Kind of, kind of. But we've obviously. Maybe we a little our, before, a little after. Yeah, we and depending on the conditions of that person, you know, a person might be more susceptible. Maybe he'll be in, he or she is in an environment where they're exposed to a lot of people. 
Okay. Uh, maybe they're exposed to uh, uh, a lot of air conditioning or conditions that dry out their mucosas. Or they're around people that cough a lot, people that are working in smoke-filled environments or nasty fumes of some kind. So there's all kinds of conditions that you can always make an exception for. That's why getting the flu shot sometimes seems like we're always telling you to get the flu shot because it takes a couple of weeks to develop and we don't know what your exposure is going to be. All right. So let's go back and, and let's talk about infectious diseases. Okay. All right. I had my, I had an infectious disease doctor uh, here just the last uh, couple of months, and I had what's called MRSA. It's evidently a strep type of uh, disease, and they t- the, the doc told me that they try to get people in and out of hospitals now because they're afraid that they're going to get infected with this stuff. Now, it, I got it in my in my bloodstream, and it took six weeks of intensive antibiotics to get rid of it, and it's really, really evidently dangerous. Can you talk about it? Absolutely. It's one of our, it's in our current time period, it's one of the worst bacterial infections that is relatively common. It used to be seen mostly in hospitals or healthcare settings, but it's become so prevalent that we see it out in public now more often than we see it in hospitals. But it is fairly prevalent in some hospitals, and therefore we try to keep people out of hospitals where they might get exposed to it. And, uh, you know, when I had my hip surgery several years ago, you know, my wife, I love her dearly, and she she knows, you know, medicine, and she's always watching people. And she jumped on the nurse pretty well that didn't watch her hands when she came in and touched me or did touch some of the equipment by my bedside and, and, uh, you know, they should be washing their hands before and after. Uh, but it is common in, in uh, hospital set, healthcare settings. This MRSA, this, it's a strain of, of bacteria that's resistant to the common penicillin-like drugs that we used in the past to treat it with. Now it takes one or two other newer antibodies to to get to them. And we've, we've talked about superbugs before. Yes. But uh, it is a true superbug, but it's become much, much more prevalent. Well, I can tell you this. They scared my, my wife because when the doc came in and talked to her, she took her kind of away from me to talk to her, and they, they were very uh, concerned about organ shutdown with me. Right, right. And that's just one of the final or one of the side effects that a blood infection cause sepsis or bacteria. Now, what's the, what's the difference between you get infected and blood infection or whatever? Well, I it's mean, in your bloodstream. You okay. Get, like it started, in your case, in your toe, and it spread through the blood to other places. And it can go to places where there's a lot of blood flow, heart, mm-hmm. lungs, uh, kidneys, and if it gets in there, some bacteria produce toxins, poisons. Okay. And that t- poison spreads rapidly through your whole body and can cause those organs that might be infected to shut down, quit working. Yeah. It was funny because the doctor wanted to talk to my wife because she kept asking me how I felt. And I 
feel fine. I didn't, no problem, you know. And she, my wife said, is he BSing us? Does he feel, he says he feels good. He feels good. I, I feel fine during the whole process. That same doctor, by the way, took care of another one of my friends who also had uh, MRSA. Uh-huh. And she had, uh, uh, prob- had previously had problems with her heart. Uh-huh. And so there was concern about same thing with you that she would have yep. uh, organ failure or organ shutdown or, you know, decreased function. And they stuck so. a pick line in me and for six weeks they pumped me full of antibiotics. Well, this person couldn't take certain antibiotics and certain antibiotics have a, uh, don't work well with bad kidneys or make kidneys Function. Well, they were checking my kidneys all the time that's, because it was pretty harsh on your kidneys, evidently. That's, that's correct. That's exactly right. Yeah, they, the doc so told your doc me that. did good. Yeah, she was good. I give her credit. Dr. Uh, Seals, she did a really good job. She's over there. She works over in North. She probably works in Little Rock, too, but at North Little Rock at Baptist, and she's right there on Spring Hill yeah. is where her where her offices I know where are. Yeah, she's a good lady. I, I really appreciated her, and, and she didn't, you know, I don't like doctors who pull punches, you know. If there's something really bad wrong, you tell me. And and let's make and, let's and you, make smart decisions. You guys decisions. did that really well because you you know, you had to be on a pick we had to have the IV antibody yeah. for a relatively long period of time. Although I've had patients that treated were treated for a longer period of time. I had a child back in the days that I treated for one of those infections. And uh, actually, it got into the bone. Ooh. Yeah. And I had to treat him for uh, a long time. Several months. Okay. Yeah. And I was always worried because this this boy grew grew up to be six, seven. And, you know, I was so worried that they'd sue me because he was a good athlete. Right, right. And, you know, somebody said, well, you're, you know, you're lucky he didn't get sued. And I said, well, why is that? He might have grown up to be six ten. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, here's here here's what's interesting about all of that because two weeks is a typical amount of time, and she decided to go six, and she just said that MRSA has a propensity to be able to hide itself someplace, and she did six weeks to make sure. We cleaned it all out. And I'm all for that. You know, let's just make sure it never comes back. Kill it all. Carpet bomb that sucker. I'm all for it. Well, you know, if you have foreign bodies in your body, like I've got a hip, artificial hip, metal, that particular bug can stick to it because there's no blood circulation in the metal. Yeah, that's true. So do you still have a stent or do you still have some heart? I still have a couple of stents in my heart. So there's a potential... That, you know, the bacteria or a, another bacteria can stick there and can't be reached. So you have to, I call it over-treat. And it may not be an over-treatment. You know, right. It could be. For me, it wasn't evidently. Well, we don't know. You know Got to have you back on here in the near future, Doc. It's always a pleasure I'll, to have you here. Always like to come. All right. Dr. Terry Yamauchi here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He uh, is one of the country's m- renowned you know, infectious disease doctors. And we're lucky to have him here in Arkansas and have him here on the show. Coming up in the next hour, 
It's uh, Colonel Conrad Reynolds, uh, a uh, interview I did with him Monday about Iran. You're going to hear how close he called it and about what has happened this week when we come back. Don't forget, it's 101.1 FM, The Answer, the home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.